Fear is a fence that we put up. And we convince ourselves that we must live within that land. We cannot walk up to the fence. We can't look over the fence. We can't climb over the fence. We can't open the gate. And that limits us for the rest of our lives. You're much more likely to die in a car than you are on a plane. You're in fear is supposed to stop you from from danger. It's not supposed to stop you from your dreams. Welcome to Next Level University. I am your host, Kevin Paul Mary, and I am your co-host, Alan Lazarus. At Next Level University, we believe in a heart-driven but no BS approach to holistic self-improvement for dream chasers. We bring you 7 episodes per week to help you level up your life, your love, your health, and your wealth. Self-improvement in your pocket every day from anywhere for free. Welcome to Next Level University. Next Level Nation, welcome back to another very special, as always, episode of Next Level University, where we teach you how to level up your life, your love, your health, and your wealth. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode. It was episode number 1,231, What is Mindfulness to You? Today, for episode number 1,232, How Many of Your Fears Are a Lie? I will never forget my first speech I ever gave. I was the most afraid out of anything maybe I've ever done. When I listen back to the audio, I can literally hear myself shaking. I can just tell in my voice that I was terrified. But I remember I had, I think I talked with Matt about this. And this was the first time I ever really said this publicly, but I thought it was a good representation and a good way to explain fear. I said, for many of us, fear is a fence that we put up. And we convince ourselves that we must live within that land. We cannot walk up to the fence. We can't look over the fence. We can't climb over the fence. We can't open the gate. And that limits us for the rest of our lives. And I said, how many of us actually decided our fears? How many of us decided, you know what? I'm okay with having this fear for the rest of my life. I think for many of us, our fears start off as a lie. And then they're just a truth that we decide to believe. And I'm flying to Florida next week or this week. I'm flying to, I'm in Florida right now. If you're listening to this, maybe no, I'm not, but I was, and I'm, I'm afraid of flying, but I remember I told somebody and Alan, you'll know who I'm talking about. We had a team member back in the day who was going to come to one of our events. And I said, you know, the interesting thing about flying, all you got to do is get on the plane. And that's all you got to do. You're not flying the plane. You don't have to do anything when you get on the plane. You just sit there. It's, I know it sounds overly simplistic, all you have to do is buy the ticket, show up at the airport, and walk on the plane. That's it. That's all you got to do. You don't have to do anything else. And I understand contextually, it's like, yeah, but I'm afraid of flying. I know, but once you're on the plane, you don't have a choice. You're just you're there, and you're going to fly. It's, it's the determining factor of, well, I'm not going to buy a ticket, and I'm not going to get on the plane. Those are the two fears that stop us from actually doing it. Number one, what has to shift in your life for you to face that fear? Number two... Do you believe at a deep level that when you face that fear, you'll be less afraid of it next time? And number three, do you think it'll ultimately be worth it? Would it be worth it for you to get on a plane? And this, this event ended up changing that person's life, but it never would have if they didn't get on the plane. So in this episode, I want us to think about fears and I want us to think about, number one, are they a lie? Number two, what's actually stopping me from facing the fear? Like genuinely, what is the thing holding me back from facing this fear? What's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? What have you agreed with yourself about? 
What is your agreement with yourself surrounding this fear? Again, that what I said in the speech, and this is how I think of it, it's a fence that we put up. And we walk up to the fence and we say, wow, I wonder what's on the other side of the fence. It would be really nice to get on the other side of that fence. Poke your head over and see what it looks like. You don't necessarily have to face the fear right away, but I think it's important to familiarize yourself with your fears. One of the best exercises I ever learned, one of the best things I've ever learned from my beautiful girlfriend, Emilia, and there's so many things I've learned, but this I use all the time. I use it in coaching. We use it with our relationship talks clients. We use it in our own relationship. It's validate, dissipate. Very simple. Validate, dissipate. Every time you have a fear, you admit the fear. I am afraid of X. Then you go into this understanding of, is this a valid fear of real danger or is this all in my head? And I often talk about this. It's, it's really, really important because I think it gets us thinking a little bit differently about fears. So if you've heard me say this before, one more time won't hurt, which is every single day we get into our car and we put our seatbelt on, hopefully, and we drive to XYZ. Maybe not every day, but all the time. Okay? The thing that's interesting, and I remember this, uh, Kevin, myself, Bianca, and Emilia were in Florida. And we were at the beach because the event we went to uh, was terrible. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, let's just mastermind on the beach. Let's not go to this event. And we weren't aligned with it anyway. So it's all good. And I went swimming. Love the ocean. Love body surfing. It's just awesome. But every single time I've ever been in the ocean, ever since I was a kid, I remember my stepdad used to have a fishing boat, fishing yacht, and he would jump right into the ocean. And he would float on his back. And I remember thinking like, how do you do that? Like you do realize we're like in the, and I'm talking middle of the ocean. Like I'm talking like scary levels of deep into the ocean. This is deep sea fishing, Kev. Okay. Pass. Whales. Whales. We've seen, I've seen whales that are bigger than our boat, like right near our boat. Okay. When I was a kid. Yeah. Hard pass. Right. (laughs) So I, as a little kid, would go to the top and um, jump. It was actually really cool. You could jump like pretty far from the top of this tower on the yacht. And I would immediately run, like swim as, that's probably why I'm so fast at swimming. <laughs> I would swim as fast as I could to the ladder and get back on the boat. And I remember thinking he would just float. Like, what are you doing? You There's sharks, man, right? And again, this is as a kid, I didn't understand any of this. But here's my point. Validate, dissipate. So who here listening is not afraid of sharks? Come on. Not me. <laughs> yeah. I am. Terrible. One of, one of the biggest fears of all time, hands down. Right? Hands down. I was afraid of sharks as a kid. I remember um, every time I'm at the beach, I think of this. Every time. And I, so I'm at Florida with Kev. And Kev, you came swimming with me. And we were body surfing. It was fun. But I remember thinking like, for sure, if I saw any sort of fish and or shark and or fin, I would be freaking out. And so we looked it up. I looked it up. Google, how many deaths from shark attacks happen in the US per year? Because in this case, we're in the US. It was one. How many deaths from motor vehicle accidents? I think at the time it was 39,000 per year. 
So that means you're 39,000 times more likely to die in your vehicle that you get in not thinking about it every single day than by a shark. But who here is more afraid of the car than they are a shark? And that's exactly what validate dissipate is. Is being afraid of sharks valid? I Honestly, it's not. Not based on the math. Not based on the statistics. It's not going to happen. It's not most likely not going to happen. Right? And it's really important to understand that most of your fears really are just in your head. And mine too. Mine too. And just because cars are normal, and, and to Kevin's point originally on this episode, you're much more likely to die in a car than you are on a plane. You're in, fear is supposed to stop you from, from danger. It's not supposed to stop you from your dreams. It's such a challenge though, because so much of it, it's just emotional. It's such an emotional thing. And even me, it's like, I logically, I know like the odds of being in a plane crasher. I, I, I mean, again, I've studied a lot and I've researched a lot of like, why does the engine turn down after we take off? Like, why would that happen? That doesn't make any sense. Is that bad? No, because there's, you know, there's different kinds of takeoffs. There's type one and type two. It's it's interesting, right? I didn't know that. What is this sound? What does it mean when it goes bing, bing twice? What does it mean when it goes bing, bing once? What does that mean? <laughs> so I, I've studied all that for certainty. Because it means again, it's time to wake up. We're almost for, landed. For you, it means, you know, for you, when we hit the ground, it's time to, to wake up. You're like, oh, we're here. Wow, that was quick flight. I'm like, not really, man. It's five hours. I'm freaking out. I've tried to watch two Five movies. hours feels like 50 to you. Yeah, it does. It, it does. I already looked. It's three hours and 33 minutes from Boston to Orlando. Like that's Really? A, it's not a long flight, but it's longer than I want it to be. Definitely. It's longer than I want it to be. But that's why I try to look at I look at data for certainty at least because it helps me, at least it helps me realize it's kind of a lie. Even to your point, it's like you have th- you're 39 or 37 or 38,000 times more likely. It's like, yeah, I understand that, but I really need to focus on that number in order to help me realize this is a lie I'm telling myself. Yeah. And I think the problem with fear is the longer you do it, the harder it gets to overcome because you just have so many reps of saying, I'm not the type of person. It just becomes an identity thing. It becomes an identity thing. I was, Taryn and I were out with friends and uh, the, one of our friends said, how is business doing? And I was like, it's great. It's like, we're, we're struggling to keep up. It's awesome. Like things are happening. I'm going down to Florida next week. And she was like, are you super excited? And I was like, no, I don't like flying. And she's like, oh no. And it's interesting. Cause she's like, oh, you don't, you don't fly because you're afraid. And I said, no, no, I fly. I fly all the time. I just don't enjoy it because for a long time, I used to be the type of person who didn't fly. Now I'm the type of person who doesn't necessarily enjoy flying, but I'll do it. I aspire to get to the level where I enjoy it. I love looking when we're taking uh, when we're landing. Taking off from me, I don't understand it. The the ground leaves you too too fast. It gets things get small really quickly. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand how that thing can go that fast at that angle. Doesn't make any sense to me. But when we're <laughs> landing, and, and again, I remember at the beginning, I used to have to test myself. When we were taking off, I'd have to open the shade and look out the window. Like that was my test. Kev, it's not as bad as you think. It's not as bad as you think. Now when we're landing, I always have the shade open. I love seeing us land. I think it's super cool. At the beginning, I couldn't do that at all. I was terrified. So I think that's the understanding is if fear is a lie, if if, if your fear is a lie or it's not fully truthful, how do we get ourselves to realize a little bit more truth? 
And I just think it's through, again, this is the interesting thing. Maybe for you, jumping over the fence isn't the answer yet. Maybe you got to walk up to the fence, right? Maybe watch, maybe go to an airport. There's That's one of the most anxiety-provoking parts of flying is going to the airport. It's a mayhem. It's like, it's mayhem at the airport. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Okay, maybe that's one part. Maybe the other part, maybe you study aviation like I have. I've watched a lot of videos on on what it's like to be a private jet pilot. I've watched a lot of videos on what it's like to be a commercial pilot. I've watched a lot of videos on where the plane failures are. Like I've studied a lot because it gives me a little bit more certainty. For you, what is the level of fear? And then what is the appropriate level of challenge for you to expand that comfort zone? Again, we've talked about this a lot. We have the comfort zone, we have the learning zone, and we have the anxiety zone. A lot of us are living in our comfort zone and we're we're thinking, okay, flying for me puts me in the anxiety zone. Well, there's something that puts you in the learning zone, right? That's the next available fear. Maybe it's not getting on a plane yet. Maybe it's going to the top of a building or whatever it is. Whatever it is for you, I think it's just, it would be beneficial to find it because it's interesting that the whole perspective for fear, when you face one fear, even if it's not the 10 out of 10, even if it's not the final boss, it kind of shows you what the next step is. It's like, oh, okay. Now I hypothetically, I went to the airport. All right, cool. Uh, now I'm going to go home and watch a video on on planes, and I'm going to understand how they work. All right, cool. Then maybe I will. And again, this would be well, no, not necessarily. I'm going to go to a different airport and watch the planes take off. We have an airport very close to our house where you can literally go park your car and watch the planes leave and land. Like, that's pretty cool. All right, cool. Let me familiarize myself with that. Maybe eventually you'll get on a flight. Who knows? Hey, Kevin, Kim here. Just wanted to send you a video to say thank you so much for your help on creating the Peaceful Productivity Podcast. You know, I couldn't have done it without you. I knew you'd be lots of great help with the technical aspects of getting the podcast going, but you went well above and beyond that. You helped me with the strategy and you gave me all kinds of really great support. You know, I think the key to success in business is a great attitude and you have that in spades. You really walk the walk. So thanks again. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. I think that's the thing is how many of us are actually incrementally doing that proactively, mindfully? It doesn't feel like progress. I, I think that's one of the reasons we don't do it is it's because like I, the final boss, I don't know if I, I can't do quote unquote, I can't defeat the final boss. What's the point in practicing? Yeah. But you can. I know. Eventually. I know. I know. That's, but it's so hard to know that. It's like it sitting at the foot of Mount Everest, looking up, I'm not going to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. But if you yeah. break it down, yeah. you know, and if you, in 20, like, let's say you climb first, you know, a, a 1,000 feet mountain, then you do a 1,500, then eventually you do 2,000, then you do 2,500, right? Emilia and I are, uh, I don't, Appalachian, maybe? I could be wrong. We're going to North Carolina. I'm not afraid of the flight at all. But I'm scared, pet, like, and again, I'm not really rationally scared of snapping turtles. Like, I'm not, I know the snapping turtle's not going to eat me. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? It's not the rational part of my brain that's operating. Of course. But when I was a little kid, I remember I, um, I grew up on a, a lake, and I would, there was this path to my friend Mark's house, and I would always walk the path. There's two paths. One was a path in the water. And I walked it so many times that there was an actual sand path and the sea, the weeds were all around it. 
And then there was a path that my mom and stepdad created with the weed whacker um, to get to Mark's place. And I remember there was a huge, huge snapping turtle. 50 feet. I'm kidding. No, it felt like a big, big snapping turtle. Because this thing felt like it was like the size of me because I was a little kid. I think probably seven or something. And it came out of the woods and it literally passed me and I petrified. And I actually stepped on the thing. And then it freaked out. Which made me freak out even more. You do an elbow drop home. to it? You drop ran an home. elbow on it? No, no. <laughs> ran home. Ran home. Never went to Mark's. Can't make it. <laughs> Can't make it. Need to make a land path. Something came you up. Know? Something came up. Can't make it. But still to this day, no no BS. I remember I was snorkeling with my friend Manu. This was in my early 20s. And I turned, and I'm telling you, I turned to my right. I might have told the story before. I turn to my right and when you're, when you have goggles on, you can only see, you know, down or wherever you're looking. Basically you don't have perifs, no perifs. no perifs. And I turn to my right and I'm telling you, this thing was right on me swimming with me. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a huge snapping turtle swimming with me. Mm. I freaked out, start swimming into the shore and Manu is freaking out trying to get back on his raft and he like couldn't get back on it quick enough. But the point is, is that no, no one dies of snapping turtles. You could look it up. I bet you there's no one. I bet you there's no deaths of snapping turtles. I'll take a gander. Yeah, take a gander for me. It's just a super irrational fear that developed when I was young. And there's a part of your brain called the basal ganglia that remembers those things. Just like people that are afraid of bees. People don't die of bee stings unless you're like super allergic. But my sister, she got stung by 11 bees one time when we were playing. We used to call it, we played guns. We had toy guns and we used to play like manhunt type of guns. And she got stung by 11 bees and had to go in the ambulance because she was allergic. And she's just petrified of bees. I'm not that scared of bees at all. They hurt. I remember one stung me right in the forehead. So whether it's snakes or bees or spiders or snapping turtles, insert irrational fear here. It's mostly in your head. It's mostly a lie. And luckily I don't have to like, you know, surround myself with snapping turtles in order to achieve my dreams. But if I did, I'd have to do it, you know? And I think that that's the analogy is what are the, what are the red lights in your life? What? Oh, there it is. Is it showing it? No, it's showing the snapping turtle. I can't see the. No human, no human deaths have been reported by the alligator snapping turtle. And that's the most dangerous one. Okay. No human deaths? No human deaths. I have never looked that up. I should have looked that up. Definitely makes but, sense. They're not. I don't think they're big enough to kill you. No, even the big no. ones. They're... I've seen. So I've seen them fight though. Yeah. Because my uh, Mark's dad used to um, pull them out of the pond and bring them to a different swamp. Rehome. Because they would eat the bass, and we don't want them eating the bass because we want to catch the bass, right? right? And uh, they fight. I've seen they fight each other bad, and they uh, you put a stick near that thing's head. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, it comes at it. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, snap on it. Yeah. So anyways, it's all that. And uh, if you're out there watching or listening to this, think about your irrational fears. Think about the fears that, that, that really aren't logical, that are holding you back. Even if it's, I have a fear of going for a run at night because of black bears or whatever. It's like how much of your fitness goals are holding back, holding you back because running at night's not even an option. And don't get me wrong, obviously be safe, right? But at the end of the day, most fears are in your mind. That's really what, yeah. what I'm saying. 
I think we overshoot. I, I have an irrational fear that I don't know how irrational it is. One of mine is people choking around me. It's like my one of my biggest fears, people choking around me. I'll tell this story quickly. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had COVID and I was in bed and Taryn was also getting sick. She wasn't sick yet. And I was sleeping. And like, I, you know how you have like radar for certain things? Like I know mm-hmm. when the cats are doing something, I can just tell like by the certain sounds. Mm-hmm. I was in bed asleep and I heard Taryn get in the shower and it kind of, kind of woke me up and then I fell back asleep. And then I heard this like coughing and I was like, that's not normal coughing. I don't know what it is, but I know it's not normal coughing. And like immediately it's like, I got triggered. So I got up, I knew immediately something's wrong. Something's wrong, something's wrong, I just know it. So I got up, ran to the bathroom. Taryn was coming out of the shower towards me holding her throat. And I was like, are you choking? And she nodded yes. And I spun her around and gave her the high look. And I, I gave it to her once and I spun her around. I was like, I looked because I didn't want to hurt her because I was afraid I was going to break her rib. And she was like, she was shaking her head no. So I went to do it again and then she was good. Now, she wasn't, I don't know what happened. I think she swallowed water and she was like congested. So it felt like she was choking. I don't know if she was actually choking. because, And she's like, how did you know? And I was like, I don't know. I thought maybe you were eating a banana in the shower or something. I, don't, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I've eaten in the shower before. <laughs> it's not that weird. But I had a moment after. Hammer and fries. Uh, whatever. Cheesy fries in you the do, shower. You do you. You do yep. you. Banana, apple, grapes in the shower, whatever. I, I said, I'm actually somewhat grateful it happened because I feel more certain now. Mm-hmm. I didn't freak out at all. I was like, fine. I was like, yeah, I got this. I'm the man. Now, if, if it didn't go right, would I be freaking out? Sure. But again, I'm also, you know, when I was in the fire department, I learned... You learn the Heimlich, you learn CPR, you learn that type of stuff. Halfway between the belly button and the xiphoid is where you're supposed to put your hand. What's a xiphoid? I don't really know, but I know it's like under your breastbone. So halfway between your belly button and your and your breastbone. So somewhere in here. Like middle middle to right upper. Right under your ribs. Yeah, middle to upper abdomen. And you're supposed to put a fist and then a hand over a fist and you hike up. Up and back. Jesus, man. So... But again, I, it's interesting how like that's been such, this is also the other side and then we'll get out of here. One of the interesting things about your fears is if you study your fears often, you can kind of control them in, in a different way. You can make them better yeah. by equipping yourself. Yeah. Some people learn to be fighters because they got bullied. For sure. And they end up becoming, and that can be what helps them achieve their dreams. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Definitely. I remember. I don't I started want lifting. it to happen again. I don't want it to happen again, but now I feel more certain than I did before. I got jumped. In the yeah. Providence Place Mall, and I'm not going to tell that story because I told it on a previous episode, but I, after that, I started going to the gym again. I yeah. started lifting because I told myself, next time, if that ever happens, I'm not going to run. I'm going to be strong. You know, and obviously, strength is only one component of being able to fight, but yeah. um, at least, I mean, you can turn your fears and let them transform you, or you can let them keep you small, really. Um, yeah. Super important. Super important. Next level, Nation, if one of your fears is meeting other people in person, not knowing what to say, being afraid to say the wrong thing, being afraid to be judged. We have a great opportunity for you to get outside of your comfort zone. And the reason I say great opportunity is because I know none of that is going to happen because we have the best community in the world. I truly, truly believe that. April 1st, 2023, live in Worcester, Massachusetts, next level live. Again, it's not a speech. It's not a presentation. It's not us What's the word when you lecture? It's not a lecture. It's an experience. It's going to be something where you meet other people, you learn about yourself, but you leave 
with an identity shift. That is ultimately our goal. We're only selling 50 tickets. So if you're local, please join. If you want to travel, it's a great excuse to travel to come meet your friends. Everything you need to know is in the show notes below. Kevin and myself spent our late, our teens, our late teens, our early 20s, and our late 20s really trying to figure out how to cultivate, build, and create a magnificent relationship. I often joke on my other podcast, the We, uh, uh, the Conscious Couples podcast. I often joke about how it took me 30 years to figure this out. And I was imperfect and I failed forward and it took me 30 years to have a magnificent relationship and it was learning and growing and oh, didn't realize that and communicating and trust and all that stuff. So we have a monthly meetup. It's the 14th one we've done in a row, 14 months in a row, February 2nd, 2023. It's building trust, safety, and communicating effectively in your relationship. The way I like to think about this is a lot of times when you fight with your partner, it's like taking a Jenga block out of the Jenga tower. And eventually that Jenga tower might fall down completely. Building trust, safety, and communicating effectively is like taking those blocks and putting them back in and shoring up the foundation. So it's it's like relationship insurance, essentially. And Kevin and I have a lot of years of failing forward, and we both have magnificent relationships now. And it's, it's because we've learned these things, sometimes the hard way, sometimes from books and different things like that. Uh, join us. I promise you it will be worth your time. And there's no question that you'll be more effective in your relationship after that. Strong work. Next level nation tomorrow for episode number 1,233, the illusion of progress and how it is holding you back. One of my favorite albums of all time, Alan, was stained called the illusion of progress. So that is very interesting. As always, we love you. And that's just a little bit of just a little bit of trivia. If anybody ever asks, now you know. As always, we love you, appreciate you, grateful for each and every one of you. And at NLU, we do not have fans, we have family. We will talk to you all tomorrow. Please reach out. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Next Level University. We love connecting with the Next Level family. We mean it when we say family. If you ever need anything, please reach out to us directly. Everything you need to get a hold of us is in the show notes. Thank you again, and we will talk to you tomorrow.